Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. We'd love to stay connected on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or TikTok at NLC Downtown. We have devotionals, audio from our weekend messages, conversations about big topics and culture today, and lots of options for you to become a disciple of Jesus. We aren't just a Sunday church. We want to be here for you Monday through Saturday too. Looking forward to getting to know you better. Y'all doing all right this morning? This side seems like they're doing well. How about you guys over here? You doing okay? Awesome. Hey, I want to dive straight into the Word. Um, If you've got a Bible, I want to read a passage from Colossians chapter 1. I believe that this is for somebody this morning. It says, the Son is. Everybody say, is. This is past tense. This is now tense presence. My English teacher will be so disappointed. And this is future tense. He is. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether all things have been created through him and for him, he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. I want to fast forward a little bit because this is about you and me. It says once, this is past tense, you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your own minds because of him and your evil behavior. But now, everybody say, but now, this is a good, but okay. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope of the gospel. I don't know about y'all, but when I read that, I get excited. That is good news. That is good news. I, I was praying for all of you last night and found out I was going to be coming and encouraging you guys today. And I was just saying, God, I don't want this just to be another Sunday. Anybody ever just kind of woke up and it's like, it's Sunday. It's a good time to go to church. Well, sometimes pastors can feel that way too. And I was praying for y'all last night, and I just felt like before we get into this message, I was supposed to tell somebody in this room, you are not too far gone. God has not given up on you yet. Your list of mistakes in your past does not outweigh the grace of God on your life. I'm going to talk about it today. You cannot outrun the grace of God. And I'm just telling you, I tried for many years, and I got really tired because he was always there. And so if you would join me this morning, we're, we're going to pray, but I just want you to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. God, I cannot believe that you would use such a broken person like myself. Every time I read your word, I'm humbled that you choose broken people. And so God, I just pray for the person in this room that feels overlooked. They don't feel seen. They feel like they've messed up. They've gone too far. God, your grace is for them. And God, I just pray that we would open our eyes and we would open our ears and our hearts, God, to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. It's a good day to be at church. Would y'all give it up for Jesus one more time? I love uh, coming to downtown Little Rock, and y'all are like family, and so 
Um, it's, it's an honor to be here. And turn to the person next to you and say, you look, you look okay today. You look good. You ignored somebody, though, so just turn to them and just smile at them, okay? <laughs> just smile. Uh, my name is Seth, as Blake said. Uh, I don't know about the food truck thing. I don't know if that's like a fat joke or what, but I've been working on it, Blake. I've been working out, okay? Uh, my name is Seth, and I wish my wife was here with me, but instead I brought Mason. Everybody say, hey, Mason. This was one of my former high school students, and uh, it's just cool. He is, he is living for God and um, doing some really awesome things for the kingdom of God. I love your pastors. Uh, y'all have got a bunch of them here uh, that go down the list, the great houses and the Dukes and uh, the Hills and the Polstons and everybody else, okay? Y'all have got an incredible team, and uh, I just, I love being at downtown. I have two children. Wave at me if you've got some kids so I know who I'm talking to. Uh, I have a two-year-old and a two-month-old, okay? We have been sleeping in the name of Jesus, okay? We prayed. I'm telling you, he, God heard our prayers because Haven sleeps. We got to wake her up to eat. Some of y'all are mad at me, okay? You can hate because I don't care. <laughs> and uh, we, we, I, Kendra made, Kendra's my wife. She made the mistake of uh, leaving me at home with the kids alone yesterday and, uh, and the day before that. She was at woman conference, and I had one job, and I failed miserably. It was to get Zane to school and, and to keep Haven alive. Um, I did do both of those things, just to make sure y'all know that. Um, but uh, I got them to, into the car, and y'all know sometimes it takes a long time just to leave the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, and I smelt this, this awful smell from the back seat, and there was a blowout. And if you're a parent, you, know, you feel me, okay? And it was one of those where, and I got a weak stomach, all right? And so I brought them back in the house. I'm frustrated, and I got her, you know, laid up on the table and, and trying to get her changed. And I'm gagging so hard that I made my son cry yesterday. <laughs> so y'all, y'all pray for me. We need, we need prayer in the Tom Bowley house. And uh, I was holding my sweet daughter. I should have showed a picture to you guys. And she is beautiful. I'm, I'm like standing at the front of the church this past week. I've got her in one arm, and I'm like, the, I'm like a proud, proud father. And there's this family walking in the church, and I'm greeting them, and I'm holding the door because I'm a man of God. And uh, they, they come in, and there's a wasp that lands on the interior door, and I go, y'all don't, don't judge me, okay? Um, only God can. And I go to swat this wasp, and it flew right over Haven's head, and I, and I smacked my daughter. Um, y'all laughing. Y'all need just as much prayer as I do, okay? And, uh, and y'all, it was one of those moments as a dad where it's like, I, I just want to go jump off the top of the church. Like, I, I don't know. And I literally immediately, tears fill my eyes. Y'all know when a baby gets hurt, hurt, they don't cry. They just go, you know, they, they do it for a long time. It's like they can't breathe. And this family thinks I, like, beat my kids. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And I just went to my office and cried. I was like, babe, I'm a failure. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I had one job, one job. Um, today, I, I want to talk a little bit about comfort. Everybody say comfort. Comfort. I, I had the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon uh, several years ago with uh, Pastor Chris O. And um, Chris is crazy. And every time I take a trip with him, something bad happens. And uh, it's like bad things just follow everywhere. And, and we go to the Grand Canyon. The trip we went on before that, um, we went to the Smoky Mountains, and we had three full-grown bears get into our rental vehicle. 
And um, I, I've got pictures to prove it if you don't believe me. You should have been there on a, a fly on the wall at Enterprise when I explained to them um, what happened to the car. <laughs> it was fantastic. And thank God for double coverage insurance. And uh, so we go to the Grand Canyon, and we're going to be backpacking into the canyon. And we're going to stay three nights. We're carrying all of our food. We got any outdoorsmen or outdoors women in here? Okay, seven of you, okay. And uh, so you, you get excited about this. I was not excited about this at the time. And I didn't prepare my body for the strenuous task ahead. And so we hike into the canyon and we stay there. And it was awesome. But at the top of the, the canyon, there was a porta potty. And it was a very luxurious porta potty. And I'm in there Googling facts about the Grand Canyon because it's really setting in that, like, I could, I could die here in a little bit, you know? And it's like on the right is, like, the wall of the cliff, and on the left is, like, death. And, and you know, it's just it's scary. So I start looking up facts about the Grand Canyon, and these are some things I saw. It says that there is no phone signal in the Grand Canyon. I'm like, awesome. If we die, nobody's going to know about it, you know? Uh, it says 20 people die every year by falling into the canyon. And by taking selfies, okay? So I'm like, okay, no selfies. Um, it costs 50000 minimal to be rescued via helicopter from the Grand Canyon. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to go into debt. Nobody's going to know about it, and no selfies. So I'm like making, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out in my head. In 2017, there were 1,100 medical rescue attempts, I don't know about you, but attempts really stood out to me, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm just going down this list, which was a bad idea, and we go into the canyon, and we're, like, cooking ramen noodles, and, and uh, it was, we're purifying our water, and we had rats get into our, our stuff and ate all of our cliff bars, and I'm still upset. And uh, we, we, I'm, like, mad at Chris this whole trip. And needless to say, I was, not, I was not comfortable. There was nothing comfortable about this trip. We go out of the canyon. It's an 11-mile hike, and uh, we get up to the top. And how many of you want to know? I was thankful to see that little Subaru parked up there. And I just knew that I'm about to have access to Taco Bell, in Jesus' name, <laughs> and access to pizza, and my cell phone. I hadn't had signal. I can let my wife know that I'm alive. And, but that wasn't the best part. The best part was about getting back to the Airbnb. And uh, we, get, we get to the Airbnb, and, and you know how if you've got siblings, you call dibs on the shower. You know, like shotgun, and you call dibs on the shower. I didn't call dibs. I just went straight to the shower, skipped the line. And I'm in the shower, and I'm leading worship. Okay, you don't want to hear it because everybody would leave the church. But I'm, I, I'm rejoicing unto the Lord. I'm like, I was lost, but now I am. Y'all, okay, you can go with me. I was lost, but now I am. I was blind, but now I can... And I was like, I was cold, but now your Holy Spirit is warming me, okay? Like, I was, I was rejoicing, but this is what you need to know is I was very uncomfortable on that trip. I'm what they would call a city boy, okay? And my wife is from Blyville. She was born on a farm. I didn't fit in when I went home to meet the parents. I was uncomfortable. I, 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 now I had access to everything that I could want. I, life was all about me again, and, and you know, I... I think about that story, and I think about how we have taken that same approach with, with the church, and how it's so easy to take that same approach in life. Anybody just me? I just want to be comfortable. God, I want to remind you, don't, don't have me do anything that is uncomfortable. Today, I want to talk about comfort, because this is what I know. If the enemy can't kill your calling by sin, then he'll destroy it by being too comfortable. And the thing about being too comfortable is nobody wakes up one day and is like, I'm too comfortable. <laughs> it's time to get uncomfy. 
I was uh, talking to a member of a, another worship team. And I was like, how many of y'all own a Snuggie? And one of them, like, un- unashamedly raised his hand. And I was like, we're going to pray for you, all right? Just comfy. Comfy. It's all about our comfort. And my favorite uh, book of the Bible is Jonah. And I didn't grow up in church. Uh, some of you have heard my story, but... You know, everybody, a lot of pre- preachers and pastors will be like, oh, you all know the story of Jonah. Well, when I started going to church, I was the one in the room that didn't know, okay? Because I didn't grow up in Sunday school. <laughs> I, I grew up in Saturday school, Mason, you, you know. Um, and uh, we had in-school suspension in Jacksonville. And it's like, it was like, it was like hell on earth because they would suspend you, but you still had to stay at school. Okay, I'm not going to talk about that too long. <laughs> the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. And we're really going to focus on chapter one of Jonah. He was a prophet. He would, he would get divine wisdom and words from God, and he would deliver them to God's people. It was incredible. One day, God asked Jonah to go to, Bible trivia, Nineveh. Nineveh was a big city. It was the Assyrian capital of the world, and this was a really barbaric place. It's important that we know context because um, Nineveh was like the last place that you would find Jonah because he actually hated the people that lived there. They were barbaric. When they would show up into a city, they would behead everyone and make a pyramid of heads just to show people that they got here and they, they took over the city. They would bury people up to their heads and let them bake in the sun. I mean, I, can, I don't want to be too graphic or go into too much detail. This was a really bad place. And so I imagine Jonah looking at a map. He's like, if I'm supposed to go that way, your boy going this way, okay? And he went to a place called, Bible trivia, Tarshish. And, and this is an interesting place because it was 2,500 miles the opposite direction. And, and he's like, I, I'm going to go uh, to Tarshish. And he hops on a boat at a place called Joppa. Everybody say Joppa. Some of us, we need to get a Joppa, okay? That's not the same thing. Joppa. And he gets on a boat, and, and he goes the opposite direction, and the people on the boat kind of start freaking out a little bit because the massive storm. If you've read the story, you know, the storm kind of goes crazy. The waves are crashing in, and they're trying to do it in their own strength, and, and they end up realizing we've got a perfectly fine boat, but we got a jacked-up individual on this boat who is being disobedient to God. And so they throw Jonah overboard, and a big old fish, this is what we know, right? A big old fish comes and scoops him up. It's like modern-day Uber, okay? And it takes him all the way back to Nineveh, three days and three nights in the belly of a well. And then he spits him out at Nineveh, and a fish takes off. I just can't imagine. I, like, think about this stuff. It is crazy. Like, I wish I could see this on National Geographic. It would be amazing, right? And, and he, he obeys the voice of God and goes to Nineveh. Now, I, I want to paint this picture very clearly. Um, Rico, I'm going to move your mic so I don't crush it with my feet. Um, Nineveh, imagine Nineveh over here. Nineveh literally means opposition. Opposition. Halfway in between Nineveh and Tarshish is a place called Joppa. Joppa was one of the wealthiest places that you could go in this day. It was, it was a place where ships would come in, they would load up goods, very valuable merchandise, and they would depart. So this was a place of wealth, this was a place of comfort. And if you go over to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away, all the way, the furthest place he could go from God. This was a place that literally meant contemplation. It, it, if you look it up, Tarshish means contemplation. And so you, you see these three locations, and what I love about this word is that Regardless of where you're at, I'm speaking to everybody this morning. 
Because you may be in a place where you're a little too comfortable. You may be in a place where you're contemplating the will of God on your life. Is God really real? Is this word true? Is God really, is, is he who he says he is? is did he really say that? Or, or maybe you're at a place and you're in Nineveh and you feel opposition and you feel some tension and, and you feel like God is leading you to a place that you're not really excited about going. I, I wrote down, you know, so often we choose the path of least resistance. Anybody else just like we, we go the place where there's not going to be a lot of resistance. And I want to ask you two important questions today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What is your Nineveh and what is your Tarshish? What is the place God is calling you to that you keep running from? And then what do you keep running from that God is calling you to? Well, what is the place? Like, is there a place God is leading you? And, And this is what it says in Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away, and he headed for Tarshish. The the first thing I've made note of is that your calling will not always be comfy. Amen? Like, y'all agree? Like, I don't know about you, but when God said, Seth, I want you to share the word of God in front of people. I gave God my list of things and every reason why that was the worst idea possible. I'm dyslexic. In, in class, I remember my, I'd get called to the board to write on the board or to read in front of the class. I would rather get suspended from school than write in front of other people. I write every number backwards, every letter back. I'll start words from the very end and finish them. It's, I do some weird stuff. And I remember I had, and I couldn't speak I would stutter. I couldn't read well. I still can't read very well, but I just go with it. I had all the reasons in the world. Comfort. Anybody like comfort? Food. Anybody? I like some fried chicken. Mama Donna, my grandma. Boy, she can make some fried chicken. Spaghetti and meatballs. I'm Italian. My last name's Tomboli. Okay, it's kind of like a pasta. I, I like some comfort food. My grandma can make a chocolate pie that'll change your life. Y'all are, you're, some of y'all are getting way too hungry. Lunch is far away, okay? <laughs> For college, though, it was fish sticks, <laughs> Tostino's pizzas, eggs. I learned like 40 ways you could cook eggs in college. Ramen noodles. Then uh, what are those things called? Toaster strudels. You know, you bake them, and then you put the little icing. I'd, I'd put like four packs of icing on one. Comfort. Some of us, we, we think if we had more, uh, fill in the blank, more peace, then we would be comfortable. It, well, if I had more money, this is where I, I tend to go to. If I had more money, God, I, I would be comfortable. I would be a little bit more comfy if I had more purpose, more, more confidence, more joy, m- more balance. Wh- whatever it is for you, some of y'all are like, if I just had nicer in-laws, okay? Don't, don't be looking at them if they're in the room, okay? If I had a bigger house, If I had more of something, this is what I I know is true, is it's usually not more of something that will satisfy your need in your life. I I love this verse in John 3.30. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you're looking for a Bible verse to memorize that's easy, write this one down. John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. This is a recipe for the kingdom of God. It's an external perspective that God must increase in my life. And that's when I will have peace. For me, it was getting baptized. I don't, 
I don't know what people are going to think if I go public with my faith. God, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's talking to a coworker at, at your job. And, and everybody, I just want you to think real quick. Think about that coworker that just gets on your nerves, okay? That one, you know? Maybe it's your boss. Maybe you've got a boss that's not the nicest person, and maybe God is wanting you to do something to go above and beyond for them. For me, or, or maybe for you, it's forgiving a family member who hurts you. Like, they, they really hurt you. Uh, whatever it is that is not comfortable for you, some of you may be uh, praying through a job change, and, and you may have to take a pay cut. But if you were to do this, you would be stepping into your purpose and, and away from Tarshish. Comfort and calling usually don't go hand in hand. I, this is what it would sound like if I was going to Nineveh. God, I'll go to Nineveh, but will you make sure they're not going to cut my head off? Like, God, I'll, I'll go to Nineveh, but will you make sure they have Starbucks? Like, I love a, a iced Americano in the morning. God, it, it, I just want to remind you, if you're calling me towards opposition, I want to remind you that it's all about my comfort. I, I was a high school pastor for a long time. I worked with uh, college students and high school students and young adults. And, and this is what I know is that it's not always comfortable to be pure. But God wants you to live in purity. It, it's not always easy to say no to the party. It's not always, I remember when I, I was getting away from my addiction, it wasn't easy to, to, to stay at home when all my friends were going to the bar. Because I knew if I just got around this substance that I would, I would be gone. I would be back in a black hole. It's not always comfortable to say no to your flesh. It's not always comfortable to stand up for your faith and your family when you're the only believer. And nobody else is involved in the things of God. Your discomfort will lead you to the place that God wants to take you and develop you. Your calling is right outside of your comfort zone. I go through the Bible and I read about these guys. You've got David and Goliath. God called David to slay the giant. He had three armpit hairs in a slingshot. David did. Y'all, there is nothing comfortable about that. This was a giant. You can go through and find Shad, Mish, and Abednego. <laughs> These guys had to go into a fiery furnace. When's the last time you fell in the fire and you were like, that was fun? <laughs> there was nothing comfortable. You got Daniel in the lion's den. He wasn't in there to pet a giant kitty cat. He was in there to shut the mouth of the kitty cat. <laughs> he wasn't comfortable. I think about Jesus who right before was about to go to the cross and he went off to the garden and he was spending time alone with his father and he's on his face before the father and he says, if there's any other way, would you take this cup from me? And the father said, the cross is the only way. The cross is the only way that people can be in relationship with me and he did it anyways. I wanna ask you, is there something in your life that God is leading you to, and maybe you've been running away from it because you're concerned about comfort. I know for me, uh, growing up, we had these things, they were called Stretch Armstrong. Anybody remember those? Okay. Um, some of you don't even remember not having a cell phone. Okay, we're not talking to you, all right? Um, Stretch Armstrong was awesome. Me and my brother would rip his arms off, and uh, we, would, we would take one side, one arm, and one on the other, and we would take off running, and that thing would stretch out, and they were expensive. My mom would be really mad. And uh, Stretch Armstrong doesn't grow unless he gets what? Stretch. And as a believer and as a follower of Christ, we, we can't start asking a ton of questions when we get stretched. I, I would even be willing to say this, like, 
if you're being stretched right now, you're probably going the right direction. If you're saying in this room this morning, Seth, I can't remember the last time I was challenged, when I faced opposition, when I was stretched, you, you may be going the wrong direction and you haven't even realized it because comfort, it'll sneak up on you. The second thing I wrote down is there will always be a boat going the opposite direction. I love this passage. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and they each cried out to their own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I want to pause here. The, the problem wasn't the cargo. This is a picture in our life of when God is, there's a storm going on and there's, a, there's something for us to wake up and see. And this is what we do. We, we deal with the top of the issue, what's on the surface. So they start getting cargo and they think if we can make the boat lighter, maybe it'll stay afloat longer. Have you ever been there before? And what they didn't realize is the problem was beneath the, the surface. And it says, but Jonah had gone below the deck where he laid down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and he said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us like sarcasm and, and we will not perish. I want to ask you this morning very boldly, is there something beneath the surface that is off limits in your life for God? Because I remember when I heard the gospel for the first time, and I found out I have a, a heavenly father that loves me despite my relationship with my earthly father, that when I found out there was a God that loves me so much, he created everything else and, and he spoke it into existence, but he said, I'm gonna make you with my hands. I'm gonna breathe life into your lungs. I'm gonna give you purpose. I'm gonna literally set up moments beforehand of people you will reach for the kingdom of God. Y'all, when I, when I became a Christian, I realize God cannot change who you pretend to be. I'll say it this way. God can't heal who you pretend to be. And what would it look like if we got before God this morning and we was like, I don't want to play church. I don't even know how to play church. I didn't grow up in church. All I know is just to be real before God because he can handle it. I read the Bible. I remember for the first time I read the Bible and I was like, these people are messed up. And I like it. <laughs> And I was like, I can relate with these guys because they were so broken. I was a thief. Man, I stole for years, five or six years, and I got caught on family vacation, summer after senior year of high school. How many of you want to know that was awkward? I got caught. It was day one, too. <laughs> I had to stay there for six days with the rest of the family. And I had to explain to, explain to my little brother that, that I was a thief that I take things that didn't belong to me. And here's the thing is that if I wasn't stealing something physical, I was taking people's joy. Because you've got something that I, I can't seem to find. You've got peace and I want it. Yo, I, I was addicted to pornography. I was in and out of toxic relationships my whole childhood into high school and college. I was addicted to substances, pills, alcohol, tobacco. And here's the thing about addiction is that you think that I have control of this thing, but this thing has control of you. And I was like, oh, I can handle it. God was like, you can't. <laughs> you can't. And so all I knew was to come before God and let him get beneath the surface. And how many of you want to know that he did a mighty work? 
I'm standing in front of you just as jacked up as I used to be, but I'm not as messed up as I used to be. I still got things that I'm working through. I'm still working on my frustration. Y'all should have saw me changing that diaper the other day. Like, <laughs> my son's crying. I'm like, stop crying, you know. He got beneath the surface. There's always a boat going the opposite direction. Maybe it's party or purpose. Maybe it's sex before marriage or staying pure. Maybe it's gossip or building up people. Maybe it's lying to your kids or lying to your parents or being honest with them. Maybe it's lust or self-control. Forgive or be bitter, love or hate. There's always gonna be a boat going the opposite direction. And check this out. Tarshish was the furthest place he could go. And as I was praying through this message, I know that there is somebody here this morning and you think that you've gone too far. And maybe you got tricked into coming to church like I did my first time. I came because there was free food and girls and I showed up and I was like, a whole different experience, you know? You're not too far gone. God has a purpose for your life. You just have to walk into it. I, I wanna ask you an honest question this morning. If you have been running from him, if you were to really evaluate this morning, how, how is that going? Because I know for me, man, it wore me out. I was tired. I was broken. Nothing seemed to work. It's like I couldn't get out of the mess. It's because I was going the wrong way. I love this verse, Psalm 139. It's so powerful. Psalm 139, verse seven, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I love this last part. You cannot escape the presence of God. You cannot escape the presence of God. Jonah went his own way. He did what he wanted to do. I want to ask you again the two questions I asked at the beginning of service. What is your Nineveh? For some, it may not be very complicated for some of you. Maybe it's forgiven that person that you've been holding on to bitterness and you have every reason to hold on to it. But God is saying this morning, maybe shoot him a text, give him a phone call, meet up with him for coffee this week. Maybe for some of you, it is like you are literally running the opposite direction of God. And he's like calling you to a location He's calling you to a place where you're going to have to say no to some things that you thought you always had to say yes to. This is where I'm at right now. God's leading my family to do some things that are scary. And I'm just, man, I got on my knees before in worship, and I'm like, I need this message just as much as everybody else. Because I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. God, this is going to make me uncomfortable. Has anybody been there before? Like, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to do what you want me to do, but how many of you want to know it is always worth it to be obedient? It's always worth it. The last thing I wrote, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You got to wake up and own it. You got to wake up and own it. When I was, uh, when I was young, I slept, walk. I have any sleepwalkers in here? Where are my brothers and sisters? We got a few, my boy, okay? <laughs> He's like... I used to sleepwalk and sleep talk, and it's the one thing I didn't tell my wife about when we went through premarital counseling. And so she woke up one night, and I'm fighting the headboard, you know? <laughs> She's like, dear God, my, my husband's possessed, you know? <laughs> and uh, my mom would wake up, and I would just be standing in her room. I mean, well, no, that's creepy. Like, that's how you get punched, real quick. I would just stand right next to her bed. <laughs> she would wake up and scream, walk me back to the room. I would, I would leave the house in my sleep. I did a lot of stuff growing up in my sleep. 
Well, when I was in college, I had a roommate, and uh, Dylan claimed that he sleep eats, which I just don't believe is from God or is real, you know? And uh, I had a bunch of roommates in college, and there's one rule in, 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 in college when you live with other people, and it's don't eat my food. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, if my food is missing, we are about to fight. <laughs> and and I, I noticed all my honey buns were gone. And my Nutty Buddy bars, they were gone. And the wrappers were in Dylan's room. <laughs> and uh, I, I did a stakeout one night because I wanted to catch him in the middle of his, his act. <laughs> and I'm dressed in all black in the living room. And, and I, I left a half-open pizza so he could see it, you know. And I'm like, I'm going to catch him like a mousetrap, you know. And, uh, and sure enough, it's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and he's lurking through the house, fully awake, by the way. He comes beatboxing through the hallway, goes into the kitchen. He opens the fridge, and I'm just waiting, y'all. I'm just waiting. And he opens that pizza, smacks it on the counter, and I can hear him in there eating. It's so disturbing to think about, like, no manners whatsoever. <laughs> and I sneak around the corner, and I'm watching him. Like, I can see him, but he can't see me. And y'all know the moment when you, like, you know someone's watching you, but you can't see them? You just feel it? That's what he felt. <laughs> and... Uh, he had two pieces of pizza stacked on top of each other, eating like a sandwich. He needs prayer. We need to pray for Dylan this morning, okay? And, and I, I'm, I'm watching him eat this pizza, and he's fully awake, and then he notices that I, I'm standing there. And then he begins to act like he's asleep. And this is when I got mad. Like, <laughs> and I, God's got to heal me of this. Like, I... I I got mad because he was fully awake and then all of a sudden he turned into a zombie. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, you know, he's got his eyes closed. He's like licking the pizza and I'm like, stop it, you know? And I go and I grab his shoulders and, and I start shaking him and I'm like, Dylan, you are not asleep. And he's like, he's still going with it. He's like, I mean, Hollywood, like he's just like, no, no, no. And I'm like, you are not asleep. And if you are asleep, you better wake up. And I'm shaking him, and then finally he drops the pizza. And we, y'all, we just need to pray for him because if he's still sleepy, it's his wife that hates him, you know? <laughs> and that's funny, but the reality is some of us are asleep when it comes to our relationship with God. Jonah was asleep beneath the surface. He was going the opposite direction. He was going to a place of contemplation. He was stuck in the middle at Joppa where he got on the boat to be disobedient. And God was saying, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the message of the gospel. Some of you in this room right now, God is asking you to share your faith with somebody. And maybe your entire life you've been saying, that's the pastor's job. I'm here to empower you saying it is your job. God wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in your workplace. I love this part of the verse. It, goes on and, and, and he's, this is what Jonah says. They, they come to him and they said, tell us who is responsible for this. And he says, I, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. And then they pick him up and they, they throw him in the water and the fish comes and, and we know the end of the story. Y'all, delayed obedience is disobedience. These guys in the middle of that, they tried rowing back to land they tried throwing some stuff over the top of the boat to make it lighter. And what God is just saying this morning is I just want my children to be obedient. You don't have to be perfect because Jesus was. 
He came to take your sin. He lived a perfect life. He walked 30 years and then walked for three more in ministry. And he was the example of what we are to follow. But I, I was so scared growing up. I remember my dad, some of you heard my story. My, my dad was uh, released from prison the day after I got saved. I was at a camp and I, I gave my life to Jesus and I got a phone call on my way home and my dad was being released from prison. And I just said yes to following my, my heavenly father and I had, a, I had ran as far as I could go my whole life because I was terrified of my earthly father. Abuse, neglect, there was a lot of drug use, there was a lot of things going on. And here's the thing is I focused my whole life on not becoming my dad and I actually became the very man that he was. And I'll never forget, man, when I say there's always gonna be a boat going the opposite direction, that means every time you try to go the right way, there's gonna be an opportunity to go the wrong way. Would y'all agree? Like, there's always, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is nothing cute about that. But as I was praying for y'all last night and this morning, I'm just thinking, what would it look like in Little Rock if a couple hundred people this morning, this service and next service said, you know what? I'm gonna endure a little bit of opposition. I'm gonna say yes to the things of God. I'm gonna read my word in the morning so that I can be full and overflow with love in my workplace. I'm gonna forgive some people. I'm gonna take the job. Whatever it may be for you and the thing that God is leading you to do, I just wanna tell you that he will give you the strength and the courage to do it. I was at that Greyhound bus station, which was so, so sketchy here in Little Rock and I was with my brother and my dad got off the bus and I remember he walked right past me and my brother and it had been a long time since we had seen him and man, it hurt. I had every reason in that moment to be bitter. I had every reason in that moment to be upset. I had told myself my whole life, if I see him again, he's gonna feel the pain that I felt as a kid. And dude, I embraced my dad and got to forgive him Few, few years later, got to lead him to Christ. My brother and I both are now in ministry. We're pastors. Who would have thought that? There was a boat going the opposite direction. But God was saying, I want you to hop on the boat of grace and love. And I want you to forgive and be an example to me. Some of you in this room, you need to do what Jonah did. And the next time a storm comes up and you've got some opposition, this is what Jonah said. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This is what I do when the devil comes to attack. I say, devil, my name is Seth Tomboli. I may be jacked up, but God is on my side. I have been forgiven. I have been redeemed. God has a plan for my life, and I'm not bowing to you because I've bowed to Jesus. I'm not saying yes to temptation because I've said yes to Jesus. I know that those things will not satisfy. I'm turning to Jesus. Some of you this morning, you need to fix your eyes on a loving father. He loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die to take on sin for you. Maybe that's your first step. If you would, across the room, I want you to bow your heads. Everyone just stay in this moment. We're gonna go into worship here in a second, but I want you to have a real moment with God. What is God speaking to you? What is God showing you to do? Maybe you're in this room and you wanna follow Jesus for the first time? Or maybe you wanna come back to him. You've been running towards Tarshish and, and you've been at a place called Joppa 
And God's saying, I want you to go to Nineveh. The word is, is very simple when it says that you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus died for your sin. You admit that you're a, a sinner that needs grace. And I love this picture because for the long, long time in my life, Jesus was my savior, but I didn't ever want him to be my Lord. And there's a difference. One is acknowledging that he died for me and I receive his grace. And the other is saying that not only did he die for me, but I will follow you every day of my life. And how many of you wanna know when I did that, everything began to change. Not everything got perfect, but I had purpose. So if you're in this place and you wanna make that decision, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. I want, right there in your seat, I want you to make a decision. Say, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna turn to Jesus. I'm gonna to go towards some opposition. There's gonna be hard times, but it's worth it. There's gonna be opposition, but it's worth it. And right there in your seat, in the seat back, there's a, a connect card. And I would love for y'all to let us know how we can pray for you if you've made a decision for Christ. But I wanna pray for the, all the believers in here that you would have wind in your sails, that when you go back into your job and your family, you would have purpose. It's impossible to bump into you without Jesus coming out of you.